It's the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about the Kentucky LSU basketball game last night at Rupp Arena. Kentucky won 82-69. to The Cats snapped a three-game losing streak. They're now 5-3 and three in the SEC, 5-9 and nine overall. They've got a tough stretch of games coming up, and I'm going to talk about that with my, my friend and fellow Herald Leader sports columnist Mark Story. Uh, we talked about the game last night. We talked about Kentucky's upcoming schedule. Also talked to Mark about the Kentucky Sports Figure of the Year Award, which Mark does all the work for that. He, the bios, he gets the votes, he writes the uh, what you see in the paper on Kentucky.com, writes little uh, stories about the each one of the finalists, and that award is going to be announced this week. So I, I talked about that with Mark as well. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right to it with my conversation with Mark Story of the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, my guest on the podcast is my friend, colleague, fellow Herald Leader and Kentucky.com sports columnist Mark Story. How's it going, Mark? It's going great, John. Uh, Kentucky got back on the winning side of things last night against uh, LSU. Uh, 82-69 win. Uh, finally hit some shots, at least in the first half. Uh, what did you make of the UK victory? Well, I thought there were a couple of positives beyond just winning a game, a much needed victory in a game. You know, I thought that Brandon Boston coming back and playing a second, you know, second consecutive, you know, pretty good game. You know, he did miss some shots late in the game that, you know, sort of took his shooting percentage under a little bit, but he nevertheless, he had 18.6 rebounds, three assists, no turnovers, you know, having played, you know, well at Georgia, I thought it was significant that he, he backed it up. You know, as you as you alluded to, they did make shots at least in the first half, and it's is somebody you know tweeted at me, and I replied, every literally everything is better when you make shots. Yes, <laughs> and, and and it was better, and and I you know I thought Isaiah Jackson, I thought oh, you yes. know fifteen rebounds in sixteen minutes of playing time is pretty darn amazing. <laughs> It is. I looked back. Uh, I've got a little database I put together a few years back through Calipari and a few years before that. And uh, the closest I could find to that, and it's not even really close, Nick Richards had 15 rebounds in 25 minutes. That was the closest I could find, at least through the Calipari era. So, yeah, that's pretty amazing. Uh, they did a, a good job on cutting down on their turnovers, uh, only 15 assists, nine turnovers. Uh, what do you think went in went into that? Well, you know, I think the point guard play, and, you know, I was a little surprised at how much in the social media people were criticizing Devin Askew last night. He did not make shots, but, you know, four assists, one turnover. Right. You know, you know, I, th- I thought he played, you know, far better. You know, when, when your guard play, you know, when, when your guards don't turn it over, that I mean, that's a big advantage. And the point Calipari made after the game about, you know, why it's better to take shot clock violations. And they didn't have a bunch of live ball turnovers. Right. The live ball turnovers they've had this year just killed right. them. Right. Yeah. The Georgia game, I could think three or four times where live ball turnovers just killed them, where Georgia got out on the breaks or got bat, an easy baskets off of live ball turnovers. So, yeah, definitely. Speaking of social media, on social media, people were really on will wait for pressing Kentucky, the LSU coach that they ran a full court press. What what did you think of that particular criticism or that particular strategy? Well, I don't know. You know, I haven't watched LSU that much this year. I don't know how much they press normally. As a rule against Kentucky, I think it was probably a mistake because it opened up the floor. And, you know, Kentucky struggles in the half court. So if you give them, you know, 
how many alley-oop dunks did Kentucky have last night? Yeah, like they had seven. several. Yeah, seven yeah. I think they ended up with. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I think it was a mistake. Yeah, I don't you – know. I think it turned out to be a mistake. I, you know, I'm basing some of this off of uh, in the preview podcast I did with Ron Higgins. Uh, you know, Ron's the editor of Tiger Rag. Ron's, a, as I described him in the uh, podcast, a veteran of the SEC wars, and he informed me that he and Jerry Tipton were sold. They went to elementary school together, but they, <laughs> which is not true. But anyway, he uh, Ron said they get a lot of their points off turnovers. And I've watched LSU a couple of times, and I, I, you know, I can't say this with 100% certainty, but I thought they pressed in those games. So I think that's the way they play. The other thing I wonder, too, is Wade thought maybe Kentucky has a tendency to turn the ball over, that you know we can get them to turn it over if we press, where I think you know Georgia laid back and Kentucky turned the ball over. So uh, uh, I wasn't as quite as – I think it did turn out to be bad strategy, but I wasn't – I didn't think it was – at the time when it started, oh, they, you know, they're in trouble for – for doing this. Um, but uh, anyway, obviously a, a big win, a big win for Kentucky. Now they go into a very important stretch in the, in the uh, schedule. I think their next four games are against ranked teams. Uh, they play, uh, you and I were talking before we started, maybe the three toughest games of the season coming up. What do you think about this stretch? I think this is the season. I think any chance they have to dig themselves out and, you know, be in any kind of serious contention for an at-large bid, you know, pretty much rides on these next games. You know, you're at Alabama, home to play Texas, at Missouri, and, you know, I, I don't know anybody that was predicting this before the season, but Alabama and Missouri appear to be the two best teams in the conference. Right. Yeah. And then you have Tennessee at home, and Tennessee has hit a lull in conference play, but was the most, you know, was picked to win the league in the preseason and was the most hyped team nationally. Right. I think you probably have to win three of those four to maintain any hope of an at-large bid. Right. Uh, yeah, Missouri. I watched Missouri-Tennessee last night after I got through uh, with Kentucky-Alabama. went back and watched that, and, uh, yeah, Missouri was very impressive. Tennessee, it's funny, you know, Tennessee beat Missouri, I think, by 20 in Columbia, and then Missouri turns around and handles Tennessee. It was a, ended up being a nine-point game, but Missouri was really – uh, much more control than that, I thought, uh, against Tennessee. So what about Alabama? First up is Alabama on Tuesday night down in Tuscaloosa. Of course, Alabama beat Kentucky uh, rather handily, 85-65, just two weeks ago. And then Alabama turned around a couple of games later and blistered LSU 105-75 in Baton Rouge, set an SEC record for uh, three-pointers with 23. Nate Oates doing a tremendous job down there in just his second season at Alabama. Can Kentucky beat this Alabama team? That's a great question. Um, you know, in the previous game, Alabama outscored them 42 to 12 from behind the three point line. There's no way, or there's almost no conceivable way to win if you're going to have that kind of point differential from behind the arc. I don't think Kentucky is really capable of, you know, having, of shooting it well enough to, so they're, shooting it well enough to cut into that margin. So they've got, they're going to have to stop Alabama. I think it comes down to, you know, can they defend Alabama and make them and, and run them off the three point line. And though, uh, and all with, with all the 
offensive struggles that Kentucky has had for most of the season. Last night, I think the 82 points was a season high for him. Their defense has been pretty good. Uh, I think Ken Palm has them ranked now. Uh, they were 20th before the LSU game. They've jumped up to 14th. Uh, Cal said the other night, or said last night, you know, let's keep playing defense the way we've been playing and see what happens. Joel Justice said on Friday, the assistant coach, when he met with us on Zoom, said, you know, I think our defense has been good. We just need to figure out a way to score points. Um, but Alabama's, you know, they're, they're going to launch threes. They're going to run. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think Kentucky's not going to be able to match them you know, three-pointer for three-pointer. They've got to be able to either run them off that line or defend them at the three-point stripe to have uh, any chance of winning. And just in terms of a perception kind of game, I think it's an important game for Kentucky to be competitive in because the, the, yes. the, the, that segment of the fan base that's grown weary of Calipari, you know, they're very, very intrigued with Nate Oates and his emphasis on what they see as a more modern offensive approach. So it would be good for Kentucky not to get its doors blown off. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. And Oates has done a terrific job. I mean, they are, and they are fun to watch. They spread the floor, they run, they shoot threes like crazy. Uh, They weren't quite as successful last night against Mississippi state, beat Mississippi state. I think, but I still think they made 14 threes, I think ended up, which is a pretty good, uh, pretty good showing in itself. Uh, I can see why fans are enamored with Oates. I mean, he's done a, uh, he's done a really good job, and is only his second year. He did it. If we, if Kentucky fans may remember that Oates was the coach at Buffalo when Kentucky played him in the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago, and Buffalo just destroyed Arizona before they played uh, Kentucky, and that kind of got Oates on the radar. Uh, but he's he's he, Greg Byrne, uh, your friend of mine, former assistant AD at UK under Mitch Barnard, is the AD at Alabama now. It looks like he made himself a, made himself a pretty good hire down there. He does, you know. I, the first time I really remember Nate Oates on my radar, we we were in Boise for that NCAA right. tournament, right. and Kentucky had beaten Davidson, and we were I was sitting at courtside watching Buffalo play Arizona. And Buffalo was just smoking Arizona. Right. I'm sitting there thinking, well, Arizona's going to make a run. So we get to like the first TV timeout of the second half, and Buffalo's way ahead. We get, I'm, they're going to make a run. We get to like this, the second TV timeout, and Buffalo's way ahead. I'm like, they're going to make a run. And we get to the third TV timeout, and Buffalo's, and I'm like, they're not making a run. <laughs> and I mean, they just smoked Arizona that night. They did. They did, uh, yeah. Definitely put him on. Uh, definitely put him on on the radar. He's an interesting story. Former Michigan high school coach who uh, Bobby Hurley hired at Buffalo's assistant. Then when Bobby Hurley left to go to Arizona State, Danny White was the AD at Buffalo at the time. He was just hired by Tennessee to be their AD, and uh, he bumped uh, Nate Oates to uh, up to head coach. And uh, uh, they, he took him to the NCAA tournament two years in a row until uh, Greg Byrne hired him at Alabama. So uh, anything else about the Kentucky-Alabama game? I think the other thing that's interesting about Oates is he's got he's kind of brash. Yes, Remember he, he is. sort of took a shot at Calipari before uh, Kentucky and Buffalo played well, about whining. That's it? correct. And then he, this year he sort of took a shot at Coach K about he did. not, not really wanting to play. I mean, he uh, – 
He, he did. He did. When, yeah, he, that was, he always walks it back and apologizes, he did. but yeah. he, his, he, he, uh, he's certainly not afraid to rattle the rattle a cage or two. No, it was when uh, Duke announced that they were not going to play any more non-conference games, and uh, Oates was asked about it in a press conference, and Oates said, do you think uh, uh, Duke would be doing that if they hadn't just lost their last two non-conference games at home? Uh, and Oates, the story I saw, Oates said that he, as soon as he left the press conference, he said he knew he'd done, he should have said that and he felt bad about it. And he, he claims that he called Chashevsky and Chashevsky took the call and he apologized and that they had a nice conversation. Oates said he's learned his lesson, but I, I wonder. He didn't learn his lesson after, when he, after he had to apologize to Calipari. Yeah, exactly, so right. <laughs> I, would, I would guess he, that's just sort of who he is. That's just sort of who he is. He's an aggressive guy and they play an aggressive style of basketball. So, um, Anyway, uh, so yeah, that's. It, I agree with you 100%. It's a very important stretch, a very important game. On if if they've got any chance of making the NCAA tournament, they have got to do well, you know, in this stretch uh, of really tough games. And uh, we'll talk about the Texas game uh, later in the week. Speaking of the NCAA tournament, are we going to have an NCAA tournament? Considering the news that came out uh, just well, I guess yesterday. Uh, about Michigan. Michigan shut down for two weeks because of a, they have the variant strain of the COVID-19 virus. Uh, what does this mean for the college game at large, you think? I think it's a pretty big concern, and this is not an original thought, but, I mean, financially, that I mean, the need to have an NCAA tournament this year, whatever is beyond desperate, that that's what, what it is. Right. But, yeah, with this variant strain and, you know, I, I think it's a concern, and um, you know, I, I think it's probably a bigger threat to the conference tournaments because mm-hmm. I could certainly see sort of uh, not coaches and athletic directors, and maybe you know, maybe even the NCAA itself wanting to you know have everybody in a bubble for like you know seven days or so before the NCAA tournament, and just saying it's you know these conference tournaments. We're sorry, guys, it's just not worth the risk. Right. No. Yeah, I agree. Uh, in fact, I think I was watching uh, uh, a little bit of the uh, the game before uh, Kentucky's game yesterday where uh, Dan Schulman and Billis were on there and they were talking not about the Michigan thing, but they were talking about the NCAA tournament, you know, being held in Indiana, uh, primarily in Indianapolis and the surrounding areas. And I think they said they made a reference. I think Billis made a reference to the fact that they're going to have to be te- you have to have so many positive tests in a row in that right to, to be able to play in the tournament. So many negative tests. I in mean, a row. yeah, negative yeah. tests. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think I think it's seven. I yeah, think. I think that's right. That's what Bill has said. Yeah, seven. Which he said they're going to have to make some decisions about you know which players can go and which can't go. Yeah, so. I mean, and and it's you know it's very hard to see. Or, or let me rephrase that. It's very easy to see a scenario where they just decide that in in light of that that the conference tournaments right. just just aren't worth the risk. Right. And you know if if. Worst came to worst, and there is not an NCAA tournament. I don't know that college athletics, as we've known it, can survive. No. I mean, I, I think the financial situation would be that dire. Right. No, I agree, which I think is why they've taken the steps to hold the whole thing in Indiana and in pretty much a, a bubble environment. They announced the schedule a week or so ago. It's a little bit of a different schedule. Uh, the uh, Like, for example, the Elite Eight games, I think, are going to be played on Sunday and Monday instead of Friday, Saturday. I believe that's right. Uh uh, and uh, so the schedule is a little uh, is a little different. Um, 
but I'm like you. I just hope we get to this point, uh, get to that point. I mean, when you've got Michigan, who's one of the top teams in the country, top five team in the country, and they're shutting down for two weeks, and we're about to go into February, that's not a good sign. No, it's not a great sign at all. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so we'll keep our fingers crossed about that. Uh, Mark, I also want to talk to you about uh, what you've been working on uh, here lately, uh, which is the Kentucky Sports Figure of the Year. Uh, tell us how that is going, when it's going to be announced, uh, and uh, just a little bit about the award. Well, this is the 40th year of the Lexington Herald Leader Kentucky Sports Figure of the Year Award. It is voted on by media people all around the state. Uh, this year, 153 votes were cast, which I believe is the fifth most in the history of the award. Is that right? And I'm, and I'm kind of proud of that because in putting together the voting list, I was sort of dismayed at how many paid sports writing jobs had disappeared from the last time we voted. Right. It was really alarming. Um, I mean, there are two newspapers, Glasgow and Moorhead, that are just gone. Really? Yeah. And yeah. So the fact that we were able to, you know, have that many people, you know, still vote, I, I'm proud of. We, uh, I've been tweeting out the 10 finalists uh, all week. And we, I, in my Sunday column in the newspaper is, is a list of the 10 people slash, well, nine people and a horse who are the, uh, the, the finalists. <laughs> and uh, the winner will come from among that 10. We're going to announce it Tuesday morning. At around 9 a.m. on Kentucky.com, and then we'll have a huge blowout in the Wednesday newspaper. And obviously, we've been in a pandemic year, which has changed sports, uh, you know, in many, many ways. Uh, did you notice, is there anything different about this year in the finalists and the voting that, that reflects the pandemic? Or or is this, did people just pretty much treat it like a regular year? No, there were, I think people, I think, well, I think we were more aware of sort of off the field, off the court contributions this year. Now, obviously, because, you know, the spring sports were shut down and a lot of the fall, the, the fall Olympic sports, you know, they may have played some games, but didn't have any kind of championship or any kind of conclusion to their season. So the, the voting list we sent out is much heavier on football and basketball than it would normally be. And, uh, there is some diversity in the the top ten in terms of the sports, uh, but it you know it's a it's a pretty football basketball heavy year. And so the it'll be announced when it'll be announced Tuesday morning around nine a.m. on Kentucky.com, and we'll have a humongous blowout in the Wednesday print print edition of the Lexington Herald Leader. And this is the fortieth year. And how long have you been doing it, Mark? I ran it. I took. I ran it from like 1990 until about 2000 or 2001 and I gave it up for a while and then it sort of made its way back to me and I've been <laughs> I've been running it since 2011 mm -hmm. no since 2010 the first year I took it back over John Wall one and that was 2010 okay so I've been running it since 2010 on my second stint wow do you have a favorite year or favorite year or two you know that's a good question uh 2011, I, I really liked Kenneth Fareed. Mm -hmm. He was just a player I really enjoyed. And, you know, he won in what was a, considered a big upset. And 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 I thought was, you know, he, the Moorhead people were just over the roof to win that. And I thought that was a fun year. To go way back in the way back machine, 1999 was the wildest year ever. James Whalen Jr., the Kentucky football tight end, the All-American tight end, actually won it. But that year, it was just all over the place. The oh. first place votes were 
broken up. And you know, I think Tim Couch had the most first place votes. We finished, right. you know, fifth, fifth or sixth. And, you know, you know, I remember I voted for Yukari Figs, who ran really well in the Lexington area. She was coming off leading Purdue to the national championship, oh, yeah. the former Scott County guard. Right. And I think she may have been first in Lexington, but, but didn't uh-huh. win out in the state. So it was just kind of a wild year. And, and it was really fun to count the votes that year because every time you sat down to count the votes, somebody else would be the leader. So wow. those are, those are probably my two favorites. Yeah, I tell you, one of my favorites uh, was uh, was Lamar uh, Jackson yeah. because he came to the banquet when we had the banquet uh, with the Bluegrass was the Bluegrass Sports Commission, and uh, he came from Louisville to the banquet and couldn't have been nicer. Stuck around, talked. I thought I thought that was neat, uh, especially yeah, since Lamar has what all Lamar did then as Heisman Trophy winner, but even after that, what he's done in the NFL that that was neat. Yeah, it was. That was cool. And, you know, he made a lot of he made a lot of fans that night because you're right. He, you you could not have been a nicer, more humble person yeah. than he was that night. And and, and he, the the person that U of L had sent to sort of chaperone him kept saying, you know, come on, Lamar, we, yeah. you know, <laughs> we need to go. And he just wouldn't. He just stayed and talked to yeah. everybody yeah. that wanted to talk to him. I mean, it was yeah. it was one of. It was one of the cool, you're right. That was one of the coolest nights in the history of this award. Yeah, that was neat. That was neat. So everybody look for that on Tuesday at 9 a.m. on Kentucky.com. Not to toot our own horn, but it's a great thing. I know uh, just, as you said, 153 votes, that's great. And uh, we get a tremendous response. Mark does a tremendous job in putting that together, putting together all the bios, getting the uh, bios out to everybody to vote. And for people around the state, we thank them for voting in it as well. So look for that Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Mark, as always, thanks for being on the podcast. Be sure and follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Uh, Read his work in the print edition of the Herald Leader and online on Kentucky.com. And thanks again, Mark. Thanks, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. I want to thank Mark, as always, for being on the podcast. Like I said, follow him on Twitter, Mark C. Story. Check him out on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Herald Leader. As always, we want to thank everybody who supports our work at the Herald Leader. You can support our work by getting a sports-only digital subscription to Kentucky.com. You get it all. You get our Kentucky football coverage, Kentucky basketball coverage, Kentucky recruiting. You get Mark's columns. You get my columns. You get Kentucky high school coverage with Jared Peck. You get all that $30 for the first year. Be sure and check that out. Go to Kentucky.com. Hit hit on the subscription button. Check out all the offers. And like I said, we really appreciate everybody who supports our work at Kentucky.com and the Lexington Arrow Leader. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks for for those of you who have left a rating and a review for the podcast, especially on Apple Podcasts, that just helps get the word out. Uh, you can also find the podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts as well. We'll have some more podcasts coming up later in the week, including a preview of the Kentucky-Alabama game. Look for that as well. So, again, thanks for listening to the podcast. Oh, one more thing. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. You can also, if you want to, send me an email, jclay at herald-leader.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be talking to you again soon.